Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today, we're talking to author, podcaster, and attitude adjuster, Emily Throw Threat. You know that feeling when you really need something and there's just vacuous space? Emily's one of those people who created what's needed when nothing existed for her. She needed positive reinforcement after grief and none existed, so she's created it. And it's now her mission to comfort and support those dealing with loss, focusing on happiness and getting to a joyful existence. You may wonder what this has to do with you if you aren't experiencing loss right now. Her tools in her award-winning book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, are some of the same tools I use every day. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Emily. Well, thank you very much. Aloha. Thank you for re-recording. We had some audio difficulties the first time. Hoping the person I, I met randomly after that, and I think maybe things aren't always so random, is listening to this recording right now. So you've experienced the death of some loved ones, two husbands, and totally different experiences, but it's through helping a friend that you're book and your teachings emerge. And I just love the story because it shows who you are and who your heart is. Can you just talk about that just briefly? Because I think encapsulates so much. Sure. What happened with me, you said I had two husbands die. And the first time was a lot, well, I can't say one was rougher than the other because they both had their own sorrow attached, but it was really challenging. When the next husband died, I said, you know, I'm going to do things differently this time. I've got to focus on what's positive in life because obviously there's lots of beauty and positive and joy and love around me. And I want to be there instead of stuck in sorrow, which is a real easy thing to do when you're dealing with grief or loss. And you mentioned not everybody's dealing with grief right now. Chances are you are in some way though, yeah. you know, because <laughs> we're grieving over things that are happening right now in our nation. We're grieving over natural catastrophes, weather, fires, you know, all kinds of different things that bring a different kind of grief. So I wanted to, to find a way that I could help myself to start off with. And I did that by writing. And I'm a writer. I write books and taught writing at the university for years. And I found a process of writing about what I was experiencing just for me, not to share with anybody, but yeah. just for me to explore my thoughts and feelings about what was going on really helped me. And so I started other people who live around me here in Maui to start doing that too. And it was really successful. Then a few months after my husband died, I actually, it was on March 16th, and I got a text from a dear friend of his who was wishing me happy St. Patrick's Day because he was very Irish and, you know, that was the big holiday for the year for him. And I thought, that's really weird. St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. Why are you texting me today about this? So I decided I would wait till the next day and then I would text him back on the real St. Patrick's Day. Well, the next morning on St. Patrick's Day, I got a phone call from a friend of mine on the mainland that they lived just a few blocks away from our home where we lived there before we moved to Maui. And she was supposed to go out to coffee with his wife that morning. And his wife had called her and said that he had died the night before. And he wasn't that old. We didn't know of any health challenges or anything. It was a total shock to everyone that just he was suddenly gone. And 
it was such a shock to me because he just reached out to me and I didn't follow through. And I was really kind of kicking myself for that. But what I really started to think about was his wife, because she had no idea that this was going to happen. She had a daughter who had just started college and a daughter who was just finishing high school. And none of them expected this. And I knew, especially because she knows so many people, that people would be saying things and doing things that might not be particularly helpful to her. So I decided I would write her a letter and say, these are the things you need to think about right now and pay attention to. And these are the things that you don't, because there's some things, you know, people come in and say, well, you got to do this now. And no, you don't for some things. So I wrote that and I emailed it to that friend of mine who had planned to go out to coffee with her and asked her to print it off and take it over to her. Because since I'm in Hawaii, if I would have mailed it, who knows when it would have gotten there. And I felt like she needed it right then. And she let me know later how invaluable that letter had been to her because nobody talked to her about the things that I put in the letter. And I thought, I'm so glad I wrote that. And what else can I do? You know, if that helped her, what else could I do that could help her more? So I decided I would write her something and mail it to her every week for the first year after her husband died. Then I thought, well, that's a real good idea. But what am I going to say? 52 different things for a year. (laughs) So I started making a list of these are the things I talk about. These are the things that would be good earlier and these would be later and that sort of thing. So I wrote it all out and I easily got 52 things and I was happy with that. And so I created a card for each week for that first year with pictures. I'm always taking pictures on my phone. It's kind of like an addiction. You go, oh, that's a pretty flower. And living in Maui, there's so many beautiful things to take pictures of. And I knew that she loved Hawaii. So I just put a different picture, a flower or a sunset or the beach or something on each one of them that would be comforting, beautiful pictures for her to look at and then wrote to her inside. That's actually where my book came from because when I got those all put together, I thought, gee, as a writer, I could see I had an outline for a book with all those things that I was going to be writing her about. And so I got an agent and got a publisher and that's where my book came from. Yeah. And it's through giving. It's always through giving. Okay. So I want to know what it is that we shouldn't say to someone who's experienced loss. Because after I interviewed you last time, I'm driving, I'd gone to this podcasting conference and I rented a car, went to see my father for dinner. And I'm driving back and I thought, wait, there's a sunset happening. Why am I driving right now? And pulled over, I was by myself. And I went to see the sunset on the coast of Florida. And I'm just watching the sunset and somebody young had lost their mom and sent me this picture. And she said, my mom told me that she'd send me sign. It was expected, but it was sad and everything. And somebody who listens to my podcast and she sent me a picture right after her mom passed of a heart in the clouds. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And I was looking at that and I'm watching the sunset and a woman walked by with two dogs and I wanted to share this picture. I don't know. And I just start talking to her and it ends up this woman had just lost her son and it was her son's Mm. dogs. And I knew from talking to you that we always say the wrong things, but I didn't ask you what's the wrong things. And then also I interviewed JJ Duncan and she says, people always say the wrong things. And I thought, I'm just going to hold space for this woman. And then I told her, I said, I ended up telling her like, all right, I've already learned that people always say the wrong things and I didn't find out what they are. (laughs) And I told her about you and that you have the whole group and evidently this very nurturing group and you're going to write letters and you're going to do all these things to get through the grief and to be with life 
like-minded souls. And I gave her your name. And oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, but I thought I didn't get the name. This is after I showed her the class. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So accident, not an accident. I don't know. But all I could do was hold space and listen and be there. But I wasn't about to say anything because I did tell her. So what are the wrong things and the right things to say, please? Because since I get a do-over here, I get to ask <laughs> Okay. You. Well, first, I wanted to comment on your picture that you saw with the heart. Because one day was having one of those days where I was a little bit down and I love sitting outside here. It's so beautiful and the clouds are amazing. There's so many clouds. And I looked up and sure enough, in the middle of the white clouds, there was a blue heart where you could see through the sky, just perfectly shaped heart. And of course, I took a picture right away because I wanted to remember that. And I live in a town called Pukalani. In Hawaiian, Lani means heaven and Puka means hole. So when I looked at that, I thought, well, there's the hole that's leading right up to heaven through that heart. Anyway, I just had to share that. Yeah. What not to say, people will say things like, oh, you're young, you can get married again. Oh, no, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Or when a baby dies or a child dies, they say, oh, well, you can always have another baby. And that's not always true. And people really do say these things. I've had people tell me all these different things that people say that you just, something like God needed another angel. Yeah, but what about me? I needed him here with me for now, you know. God's got a lot of angels up there. So think about what you're going to say. That's the most important thing is to think about it. And whatever you say, say it without judgment and with kindness and love. And when you say something like, oh, you can get married again, you may be thinking that that's a nice thing to say. But think about how you'd feel if your husband just died and somebody said that. That would sound really flip or trite and unfeeling to say something like that. And you know when people say things like that, they don't intend harm. They don't think that they're saying something wrong. They think that they're helping when they say something like that. So I think the easiest way to figure out what to say is before you say it, say, is this something I'd want to hear if my mom, my husband, my sister, my child, whoever it was, just died? Would I want somebody to say this to me? And if you wouldn't, then don't say it. Figure out something else to say. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Okay, that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> I'm much better about it now than I used to be. But it got to be the point where I heard that so many times and somebody would see me for the first time since whoever it was died. And they'd look at me and they'd go, I'm sorry for your loss. Can you go out to dinner with us on Friday? It was always something. Well, if it, it's wrote like that, then that's different. So I remember and hearing generally maybe, it is. maybe when... I had researched you, I heard that. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even say that to this woman that I saw during the sunset because I thought, I think you're not even supposed to say that. Like, I just... Well, you can say it. When it comes from your heart and that's what you really mean, it's fine to say that. I'm just saying that it got so many times that it was like, how are you? Nobody wants to know how you are when they say that. If you say, oh, well, gee, you know, I had a cold last week and I had a fever and I'm still coughing. And they didn't want to hear that. That's not what they were asking That's when they said, how are you? They're I, just trying to be nice. If somebody knows you've had a loss and they want to know where you're at on the emotional barometer and mm -hmm. they really do want to know, like, okay, how are you doing today? Where are you at? That's different. That's not, I'm sorry you for can, your loss. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can say something feel, like that. Yeah. That would be okay. Or what I like to suggest for people to do is to use the name of the person who died. And if you say something about that person specifically using their name, it can bring people comfort. 
they also might cry a little and that's okay because that's just part of the process. But I remember somebody saying when, after my mom died, she said, you know, mom and dad were married for 52 years. And she said, you know, for as long as they were married, every time I saw them together going someplace, they were always holding hands. And I always thought that was so sweet. And that made me feel really good as opposed to, you know, something else. But if you say the person's name, if you remember something nice about them, beautiful about them, then that's really good. Oh, yeah, because I do want to know the right things to say. So you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to acknowledge it if you know. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge it because if you don't, it seems like the people are ignoring what's going on because you think, boy, they've got to have heard by now that he died. <laughs> and how can they just ignore that? So it is important to say something positive whatever it is, to make it into something positive. I know my husband, Jacques, he was a philosophy professor, but he also was a singer and actor. And I was always having people come up to me and go, oh, he was the best teacher I ever had. Or I just loved it when we could go hear him sing someplace because his voice was so beautiful or he was so funny. Or when people say things like that, I can't help but smile. And that just feels so much better. And to me, that's honoring the person at the same time as you're expressing, you're missing him too. Oh, that's good. Okay. I love those. So here you are, you've written this book and inspired from your friend, from helping your friend. So what happened from that? Well, after I did that, I've been writing a blog every week for a long time. And I kept thinking there's got to be something more. I felt like there was something missing that I just kind of needed to connect the dots somehow. And I wasn't quite sure how to do that. And after Jacques died, he was the first husband to die. I found the book Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff. And Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful book and she's a wonderful person. And I read that and it really helped me because I discovered I was focusing on all the things I wasn't happy about instead of the things that I was happy about. And so that really helped me get through that time. And I'd kind of forgotten about it after Ron died until I ran across something that said that Marcy was doing happy for no reason certified trainer training. And I thought, that's what's missing. It's happiness because we put all the focus on the sorrow and what you have to deal with when someone dies and not so much on the happiness. So I signed up for that program because I discovered that the way it works, Marcy has done happiness programs and training and big seminars and things for years. And she got to the point where she just couldn't reach everybody who wanted to have training with what she does. And so she created this program to certify people to be able to use all these things that she's researched for and that she's used for all this time in any way that it would suit whatever else they're doing. And you can, when you're certified, do happy for no reason classes, or you can apply it to something you're doing. And so I chose to apply it to the grief work I do. So like my podcast is named Grief and Happiness. And the other thing that I came up with was I thought it would be cool to get together each week. I'd been getting together every week on Zoom with people who wanted to write and we were writing every week. And that was really successful because we'll write something and then we'll either share it, read it to each other or just talk about the experience of writing it and how it helped them or what they got out of it. And I thought I could add a happiness practice to that. So I thought, how about if we have something I named the Grief and Happiness Alliance with the Alliance of people coming together to essentially support and serve each other. And I did a pilot program. I invited quite a few people that I knew that I thought would be able to give me good feedback on how this would work. I did actual session with this is how it would work if people 
came to the Zoom meeting for it and they liked it a lot. And our last meeting, we were talking about how much we should charge for it because there's a perceived value of if you don't pay for something, then you don't have to show up or, yeah. you know, it's not that important. So true. But at the same time, I didn't want to charge people who were dealing with grief, you know, if they have to pay for one more thing at that point. So one of the people in the group said, well, then we'll just make a nonprofit organization and we'll support the people who come to the group. And so that's what we did. We created a nonprofit organization and anybody who comes to participate in the group doesn't have to pay anything ever, but they are being supported because the group, the nonprofit organization pays for all the expenses to make this possible for them to be able to come to it. So it gives them value without having to pay for money out of their pocket. Okay. I think that's just incredible. And I love that. And I know that you talk about reclaiming joy. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I want to know okay. how people do that because those are tools that we can all use, especially now. Yeah. And somebody doesn't have to die to do that or for you to find happiness. <laughs> no, no, I would hope not. To die. I can give you the example of one of the people that's participated in my group was she went on a cruise with her husband to celebrate their wedding anniversary. And while they were gone and didn't have any contact with home, because they were in the middle of the ocean, when they came home, not only their home, but their entire neighborhood had been flattened by one of the California flyers. So they just drive up to home and it's gone. All their animals, his business, he had a business that he did out of his house. All of his records for the business, everything was just gone. Well, she had significant grief over that. And she realized that she needed to figure out what she could do to not, you know, just fall apart, which would be understandable in circumstances like that. And so with us and writing and talking in the different groups that we have, it really helped her just kind of reset. She ended up moving to another place that was just as beautiful, entirely different place in the state. So she wasn't right where she was seeing those memories all the time. And she and her husband, whenever I see their pictures now, when she'll post something online, they're always, they look so happy. It's like they, through this tragedy, have really discovered the joy in their relationship and how good what they have, they still have. You know, they have each other, they have their love and their life together, and they're making the most out of it. I love that. So what are tools people can use to reclaim joy in their life without having to have a fire or a death? Well, I strongly recommend journaling every day. And by the things that you write in the journal, I write certain things in my journal. I do it first thing in the morning before I even get out of bed. I just sit up in bed and get out my journal. And I generally journal at least three pages. And there are different things that I always include. And some of the things that I include are the things that lead me to see how good and positive things are in my life right now. For instance, one of the first things that I write is, who inspires me today? And I have found that I have rarely written the same person twice, which is kind of amazing because you think, well, I don't know that many people, but it doesn't have to be people you know. It can be somebody who did something like, for instance, this week, David Hogg is on my mind. Who's uh, yeah, been, yeah, uh, definitely. Doing yeah. what he's doing. And he inspires me with his passion 
for what he's doing with encouraging gun control measures. So it can be a public figure. It can be an ancestor who did something. I had a great uncle that was one of the first band directors in the country. And I fortunately got to meet him and know him. And he was so passionate about his music. He always inspired me about music. Or somebody you know who created something that's beautiful that you like or painted a picture or did something that inspired you. Even like when my neighbor bakes something, she'll bring me part of it. And that inspires me that she's so kind, the kindness of thinking about me when she's doing something instead of just keeping it for herself and her family. She'll reach out with it. Just write their name and what they do to inspire you each day. Another thing that I write every day is something that brought me joy the day before. And that is really interesting. I really enjoy doing that because if you get kind of down in the dumps and you think, well, I don't have anything to be happy about, you can just get out your journal and see what you know makes you happy, you know, something that brought you joy. And it can be anything from trying a new recipe and have it turn out and have it be really great to somebody calling you out of the blue that you haven't heard from in a long time that you had a wonderful conversation with. Whatever it is, there are all kinds of things that bring us joy. And by writing it down, who inspires you and writing down what brings you joy each day, those are just two of the things that I write in my journal. But that's the sort of thing that makes me smile. You know, when I get out of bed, I'm smiling. And that's a great way to start the day to keep you happy. And if you get to the point in the day when something might remind you of something that kind of brings you down, you can take a deep breath and, you know, kind of center yourself and say, okay, what's good about that? Or what's good about today? Or what's good about what I'm doing right now? And that raises your vibration so that you can smile more. I tell people whenever they walk by a mirror, if they see themselves in a mirror reflection in the window or whatever, smile at that person. (laughs) Always because so many of us don't smile. You know, it's easier to not pay attention because it takes a little attention to smile. But if you're smiling, you can't help but feel better. It's so true. It releases endorphins just to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, can be fake at first, but it'll happen. Yeah. (laughs) And I heard one of my guests had said they do a mental gratitude list before they get out of bed, things they're grateful for. And so I've always do written daily gratitude lists for over a decade now. But now before I get up in my mind, I do a mental one before I get out of bed. So that's one of the components to what I write daily is my gratitude list. I write at least three. And I usually can keep going on from there. And gratitude's really what brought me around after Jacques died. Somebody I had watched actually the movie The Secret, and Mm -hmm. it's a really good movie. But I was thinking, I'm not sure if this is me, you know, that if they're talking about me, that's everybody else can have all this stuff. And at the end, it said something about writing, you know, sit down right now and write down 10 things you're grateful for. And my attitude was, yeah, right. What do I have to be grateful for? My husband died and I'm sitting here by myself. And I thought, okay, that's exactly the opposite of writing something you're grateful for, (laughs) right? What's good instead of what's negative. And so I started writing and I was able to write 10 different things, which really kind of surprised me. So I kind of challenged myself with that and kept every time I think of something that I was grateful for, I'd write it down. And I got to the point where I kept a little journal in my purse so I could write things down when I thought of them so I wouldn't forget. I didn't have the journal. I'd be writing on the back of a receipt out of my purse or something because I didn't want to forget that thing that I was grateful for. And I was always amazed at how many different things there were. I wasn't saying the same thing every day. Sometimes I do. Like I often say I'm grateful I live where I live because I really am. 
but I find different things about why I'm happy about where I, I live. And I can make that into a whole bunch of different things to be grateful for. And the more you focus on that gratitude, you know, if you start thinking something negative about something, say, okay, what can I be grateful for that has to do with this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be for a roof ahead or electricity. I mean, there's so many things. I'd say a car that I could drive, but I haven't had a car for a couple of months and they're all back order. So I don't well, yeah. I have one at the moment, but I will, that I have one back ordered. With a car too. I was in an accident last year where somebody coming toward me, it was a center divider on a highway. The highways aren't that big here on Maui, but it was two lanes going one direction and two going the other and a center divider in between. And he was coming down the hill and his truck jumped over that center divider and into my car and it hit me on the driver's side. And I was just sure I was going to die. I looked up and saw him so close to me with his truck and I thought, this is it. So I closed my eyes and I slammed <laughs> on the brake and felt the thump. And I thought the thump wasn't as bad as I was anticipating. And when I got to the point where I could open my eyes and I looked around, I didn't see the truck. I was stopped there in the middle of the road and thought, well, what happened? So I pulled my car over to the side of the road. As soon as I opened my eyes and saw that the car was, it had a lot of damage. It had to be repaired, but it was basically intact. I could drive it home. And the first thing I did was was this song started going through my head that a friend of mine, Ricky Byers, wrote called Grateful and basically says over and over again, grateful, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful for my whatever it is, life, soul, whatever it is. And that was my first reaction when I had the accident. I opened my eyes. I was grateful that I was alive. I was grateful that I was sitting there, that my son was in the car with me and he wasn't hurt. I was grateful for that. I was grateful that I could still drive the new car that I just got. So it was pretty amazing. That definitely is. So what's the most common question you're asked? People find out what you do. Most people want to know, am I ever going to feel better? Oh, yeah. That's a really common one. And I can always say yes to that, that you can feel better. It's up to you to be a participant and doesn't just fall in your lap, but absolutely you can feel better. Absolutely you can be happy. And it's no disrespect to be happy. You don't have to think that your loved one's going to be disappointed because you smile. That's not the way it is. Yeah. So do you have moments now when you feel like giving up and then what are the tools that you use if you do? I have moments, but I wouldn't say they're moments that I feel like giving up. It's just a moment that I'm having because there's a reminder or there's something that happens, you know, bring tears or, or something. One recently, it was the TV show Blackish. They did such clever things, commentaries on that show. A lot of it was just kind of silly, but they did really clever commentaries. And so I had enjoyed watching them and watching them with my husband. Their episode on Juneteenth was phenomenal. So if you want to know about Juneteenth, probably get that and watch it. And so when I heard it was their last season, I wanted to watch the final show. And I was watching just that final show. And it got to me that this was something that my husband and I did together that led to such interesting conversations about whatever it was, the theme that they were doing. At the very end of the show, they had this thing where they all came together and Stevie Wonder's song, as started playing in the background that was my song with ron that was our song and for me i was tearing up over the show and losing that connection here this through them comes this song that was so precious to us uh, i have such goosebumps oh. <laughs> I have total goosebumps all over that sort of thing does happen when you're open and you pay attention yeah, yeah. you can be sad and happy at the same time well, that seems like reminiscing and beautiful and everything
Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. I mean, that's not giving up. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, it's not my experience. I don't mean to sound judgmental. I apologize. No, if it, I'm getting goosebumps and I love that you shared it with I was me, with all of us. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? As I'm sitting here still with the goosebumps. <laughs> oh, that's, actually, when you said that, they popped up for me too. <laughs> yeah. It was really a powerful experience. And my message of hope is a positive one. It's that whatever it is that you're doing in life, you're doing it right now in this moment. In this moment, always can be good, always can be happy. You can always smile, whatever else is going on, if you stay in this moment. Yesterday, you already experienced, you have no idea what's going to happen in the next moment, let alone tomorrow. But right now, especially if you start feeling yourself challenged or tears come or you get overwhelmed, just bring it back into the moment and go right now. I know I'm still here. I still have my home. I have my friends, whatever it is that you can think of that are the things that are bringing you joy and bringing you support and know that always there. So that's my idea of hope. That's fabulous. I love that. And the other thing that I didn't ask you about were, I believe that you're big on affirmations. Absolutely. That's another thing I write in my journal every day. Okay. <laughs> is my affirmation for the week. I have a like a theme for the year and I have a foundation. My foundation that I'm working on right now is ease and balance. If something starts getting a little out of kilter, I'll go, okay, ease and balance. You know, just take a deep breath and get back in there and that helps. But my affirmation I write an affirmation for me for the week. And then every day I write an affirmation about what I'm doing with my writing, with my teaching, with the Alliance, with the things I'm doing for my book, my podcast, for all those things. I'll I'll write affirmations about where they're going and what's good about them that I can support. And then I have one affirmation for sure for the week that I'm working on for that week that I'll write every week. And at the end of the affirmation, after I write the affirmation, I also say, and I'm doing exactly what I need to do to realize all of my intentions. I like that addendum. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I do. Mine's always something about my limited vision, but can you give some examples of your affirmations? This week, well, I'm working on... Well, for ease, what are you saying? For for ease, if I start getting a little uptight or pressuring myself about something, I intentionally stop and go, I can do this with ease. Not I can. I do this with ease. If you say I can, that implies that it's in the future. But if you say, I do this with ease, that means you're doing it right now with ease. You can always do an I am also. I am focused. I am passionate. I am love. That's right. Whatever it is. I love the I am. When you start it with I am, whatever you say is going to be beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, this was so great. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad you invited me. Yeah, and all of Emily's links and all of everything that she has will, of course, be the website with the show notes at 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Emily's messages of a sense of grace, journaling, and happiness. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about overcoming challenges, confidence, and how to take that next step, staying aligned with your true self. It's a great episode. I know you'll love it. There's now a quiz on the website, When Do You Self-Sabotage? That's at 52weeksofhope.com. It's it's a great quiz. Go ahead over there, take a look at that uh, about when 
to you self-sabotage. It's fun and it's very informative. If you're not already part of the Facebook group, it's a safe space and a great community with different healing modalities that are on there that from um, some past live streams that we've done. So there's breathwork sessions and different informational things, but also it's a safe space for us to share with each other if you're not already a member. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.